0: When I did make a mistake or an error, it was never like blaming someone else. It was always like, what could I have done differently? Because you can always do something differently. Even if maybe it really wasn't your fault that something happened, there's always still something that you can take of it and grow from it. So I just kind of kept focusing on doing that. And over time, just got better and better at doing it. And then you start to kind of see some similar patterns in people, in situations. And so you start to get better at understanding how to react to them and, and manage those processes.
1: Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence.
2: Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to let your friends know. Today, we've got Adam Arnold, Enterprise Sales. If you don't know what Enterprise Sales is, you might be interested in sales. This is a great episode for you. Adam went through three startups, got all sorts of experience before he went into Enterprise Sales for Search Metrics. He helps big companies conduct better e-commerce He's going to talk about sales and sales management. He's going to talk about tech. He's going to talk about enterprise sales, how to achieve your goals in all areas. Because to be excellent, you've got to be spinning a bunch of plates. Adam's had high standards all his life. He's going to talk about that. And he's got a system. Get organized, set a goal, make a plan, and work that plan. Since Adam's in sales, he's got high EQ, and he's going to talk about the joy he gets from other people's success. That's a great character trait to have. If you're in sales, welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Adam Arnold, straight out of Sun Valley, Idaho, not to ski, not to work, but to play. I don't know what you would call that semi-pro hockey or pro. I'll just call it pro because this is not about accuracy. This is about my fun and excitement and yours. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about what you do for a living. We're going to start off the way we always start off. What is your definition of excellence?
0: Well, it's great to be here, Matt. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I, I would say the definition of excellence um, in my eyes is probably just really achieving your goals in, in, in all areas of life. And I think with those goals, kind of just holding yourself to a higher standard. So, you know, life is not always just about just about your job or just about work or, or just about family or whatever that might be. I think it's, it's if you're successful in kind of each area of life. So that could be job, family, health, um, whatever that might be. I think in my eyes, I think that's, that's excellence Cause I think in that case, you're living a happy life. You're enjoying things. You're doing what you want to do.
2: Yeah. And another life I used to be a life coach, which I enjoyed for a bit, did a lot of speaking. And I do this, uh, the seminar on building out your goals. Friends, family, finance, fitness, faith, those five things, friends, family, finance, fitness, faith. So achieving your goals in a well-rounded way, all areas you say, and having high standards. So if you're just killing it at work, and I love to talk about this, you're flying around in a private jet, you're crushing at work, but you never see your kids and you're getting divorces and you haven't called your mom you're not living on the edge of excellence. You're just doing really good in one area, but you can be excellent at work, but to be excellent as a leader or as a, or as a person, you need to hit it in all areas in your mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I've seen, I've seen a mix of both just throughout my career and I've seen people that have, again, like you said, are crushing it in their careers, but their family life's falling apart. So they're still, they're still miserable. So I think, yeah, if you can, if you can really kind of excel in, in each area that's important to you in life, then, I think you're doing well.
2: I met this uh, really, really influential, wonderful guy named Warren Rustand on my travels, and he said, no success at work is worth failure at home. Something like that. No success at work is worth failure at home. Better off just being average and a killer dad or a killer community person or a killer friend. Um, Than putting it all at work. But this shows about what you do for a living and what you're doing now. And I love the philosophy on the side. So let's talk about your life a little bit. I know you uh, worked in Michigan with us and then you took off and moved to Mountain Views, California, worked in some startups, ended up in enterprise sales and sales management. Let's go way back in time before we get into exactly what sales management means, how you can bring that into tech, how you can use your skills to apply to that career. Let's talk about how you got that career. What was life like in high school? What were you doing? How did you see yourself? How did you find your path?
0: So high school, I mean, I think, and this goes back to really at any time in my life, I was always just a, a really like busy person. So high school, I was playing, playing three different sports. I did uh, hockey, baseball, and tennis. And then just kind of other pickup type stuff as well. Um, so I was always really busy doing that sorts of stuff, working out, all that, always doing stuff with friends. And then if not, I was, I was working. So a lot of stuff that, that I did for work was around like sports, like teaching baseball and you know like hitting lessons and you know whatever that might be. So I was always just kind of like a, a, a busy person. Um, I did pretty well in school as well. I thought that was important. At that, at that time, I was kind of on the path of thinking that I wanted to be uh, in medicine and be a doctor. So I was like, I need to make sure that I'm getting good grades, getting to a good school and all that sorts of stuff. So I think even, you know, back then I was always just trying to do a lot of different things, but do a lot of different things well and keep myself well-rounded. So that, that was kind of me in high school. And I think I did pretty well in in, in a lot of those different areas.
2: Okay. Well, we're going to deal in a second with that complete impossibility. Probably lie. You just told because I have kids and I've just spent the last 12 years listening to parents say, there's no way you can do a sport and work. My kids are too busy <laughs> to work. Um, so you played three sports really well. Your elbows yep. must be just blown hockey, yep. <laughs> baseball, and tennis. You went to school, you worked, you say busy. I say productive. Does, doesn't matter if you're busy it matters if you're productive. Um, but Back to your definition of excellence, high standards, high achievement, spinning a bunch of plates. If you're listening to the car right now, at 1.5 speed, it doesn't matter when you start. Asan was on an episode earlier. He was lost until 23 years old, and then he started. But at some point in time, you got to start looking at your balance, friends, finance, fitness, family, faith, and how you're spinning those plates and start trying to spin a few of them and being not busy, but productive. And it takes some time, right? You have to learn to be productive. Yep. How did you learn to be productive in high school? Let's say you're just starting out. Someone's listening right now. They're going from busy to productive or they're going from not really high achieving to high achieving. How'd you get that done? Do you remember?
0: Uh, I mean, you really just kind of have to just get organized. I think it's, it's, it's setting specific goals in whatever area it is. And then just getting organized and, and kind of trying to set a path on how you want to achieve it. So for sports, if you want to, let's say it's make the varsity team or uh, be like all, all, all conference, I think is something like that is what you call it all all team, all conference, something along those lines, you know, you got to say, okay, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to practice four times a week or three days a week or an hour a day or whatever that might be um, to achieve that end goal and just kind of do it in each area. So I was always kind of like had specific outcomes that I wanted to, to achieve in a specific space, whether it's grades or sports. And then I just kind of would usually make some sort of plan to get there, like weekly kind of goals.
2: All right. So you're organized first. You got to get organized. We have a a time management episode. If you're not organized, go listen to the time management episode of this podcast. You got to figure it out how to prioritize. Then you got to set goals. And the challenge is setting high standard goals. So maybe you don't think you're good enough to play varsity. Maybe you don't think you're good enough to be first chair of the band. Maybe you don't think you're good enough for whatever job you set a goal, you make a plan and you keep going until you hit that goal. Right. Yep, absolutely. And and you're definitely going to have hiccups along the way. But I think like you have
0: to just kind of have that that end goal in mind. And I think you have to try to you have to enjoy the process while you're doing it. I mean, it's not only about the end goal. Um, try to try to be happy and, and enjoy that process as you go.
2: Oh, no. Wait a second. I'm I'm feeling my influence on you wait, you worked at College Works 2011 to 2014, right after I came out of being EO Global Chair, right after I spent all my time with the famous Sanjay Kapoor who taught me karma yoga. And he said, if you have clarity of intention, purity of heart, sincerity of action, let go of the outcome and enjoy the process. And I must have said that to you before, and you remember enjoying the process and letting go of the outcome. Welcome to Karma Yoga. That is awesome. Did I get it right? I think
0: so, yeah. It sunk sunk into my my subconscious. It's something that I I think about a lot now because I think for me, I'm I'm always wanting to, like I'm always thinking of new stuff that I want to do or cool things I want to achieve. And if I'm only thinking about that, I'm never going to get there because there's always going to be something else I want to do. So I have to just like sometimes you got to sit back and enjoy what you're doing. But but I also have intention of getting to a certain destination, too.
2: Yeah. So if you have sincerity of action and you have clarity of intention and purity of heart, all three. So you have to have an intention. It's not kicking back because you got to tie in your definition of excellence. Achieve your goals in all areas with high standards and then enjoy the process because COVID hits. And you're running, and you just started a restaurant. You've done everything you can. Enjoy the lesson and the process, because the outcome isn't that great. Well, I'm stoked that you remember that. I'm going to send you a page on Karma Yoga. I'm going to throw it on the website uh, collegeworks.com/slash/podcast, so everybody else can get the one pager. That actually makes me you. You actually gave are the highlight of my day now, um, and I will call <laughs> my friend Sanjay and let him know that you brought that up on the podcast. Um, so you're you've got this pattern that you develop. And the pattern is organization, setting high goals, challenging yourself to believe in yourself. Right? Um, make a plan, stick to the plan. Now, I'm assuming sometimes you went off plan, and sometimes things didn't work out. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: there's definitely uh, you know things that I've that I've failed at before, and and, uh, and whatnot. And I usually can always go back to it's it's some some sort of process or something I, I didn't do, or I, I slacked out or I got lazy somewhere, or. Um, I just lost the vision for it, so you get hiccups, and um, but sometimes you kind of that that helps you figure out what you like, what you want to do, what you don't like. Um, you know, I think for a while, my my goal was to to be a, a doctor, is what I wanted to do. So the first few years of college, I was a, a biochemistry major, and I was volunteering in, in hospitals and taking like organic chemistry and all that sorts of stuff, and just realized that like I, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't have um, wasn't excited about it. And I was just kind of doing it because my dad's a doctor. So I was like, I guess that's what I should do. I'm getting I get good grades and my dad's a doctor. So why don't I do that? But after kind of working hard towards that goal initially, I realized that I didn't want to do it. So I made a pivot and a halfway through college. So you're
2: the opposite dispersonality of a doctor. My grandfather was a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor. I pass out sometimes when I see blood. imagine <laughs> that? <laughs> yeah. That would not be very good. All right. So you're kicking butt, you got your pattern, you figure out what works early. If you haven't figured it out yet, you're listening on 1.5 speed. It's as simple as that. Organization set goals, believe in yourself. You know, sometimes you probably had parents and people around you. You're crushing it in high school. You're playing all these sports. You're working. They're probably telling you, Adam, you're going to be president one day. Adam, you can do anything, right? Some people don't have that. Did you have that? First of all, what would you do if you didn't have that?
0: Um, yeah, I had quite a bit. My my parents were always pretty supportive, and you know, really whatever it was that I wanted to do. I guess I would say, if if you don't have that, I would find people that that do and hang around those types of people because um, I think those are the types of people that are gonna you know lift you up. So when you're when you're trying new stuff and maybe you're failing at it or you're trying you, you want to achieve something that that seems like a stretch or a challenge, it's gonna be the, the kind of like your hardworking, successful network of friends that are gonna build you up versus the the other people that are maybe lazier or um, they don't have those goals, they're more likely to kind of bring you down. So, you know, if you don't have that through family, then I would find it through, you know, friends networks, different organizations you can join. There's tons in college you can get into. Um, so just surround yourself with people that, that do have that, that kind of drive and are, are being influenced positively from their surroundings too.
2: Yeah. It's a lot of, I mean, life is work, right? Life's yeah. work. You're going to live another hundred years. So maybe you don't have the support structure. Maybe you don't know how to find the support structure one step at a time. You take one step at a time. Maybe you don't find the right friends. Take more steps. Maybe you don't find the mentor. Take more steps. Maybe you haven't found the organizations. Take more steps. But you keep looking until you get the support. You keep trying to you're organized. You keep believing in yourself till you actually do. And boom, next thing you know, you're crushing it out of college. So you leave high school. Where'd you go to high school, by the way? In Michigan, right? Uh, no, I grew up in Wisconsin. Oh, you did! Oh, how beautiful!
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I went to uh, Brookfield East High School. Where's that? Uh, that's just outside of Milwaukee. It's about 20
0: minutes west
2: of the city. In the beautiful green hillsides with those beautiful red barns.
0: Yeah, there's I mean, there's I'm uh, not, not too far away from just the, the straight up farmland, but there, there's oh, actually so uh, it's nice. a really hilly,
2: pretty area out there. Yeah. the whole state is a hilly pretty area i love it there yeah lots of lakes yeah so you jump in your car you drive out to the university of michigan is that where you went university of michigan
0: uh no i went to university of wisconsin Wisconsin. Um, oh you
2: did yeah
0: yeah. a badger yeah that's where i was initially with college works and then uh, and then then you moved to michigan Michigan. then i went to michigan to to gm yeah okay.
2: okay i'm confused okay so you you become a badger you go to another beautiful part of Wisconsin. If you haven't been, imagine beautiful hills with beautiful houses in the hills, two lakes with like a road that goes right between them in the summer. It's like as green as can be in the winter. It's all white and frozen over. And I think you can skate and stuff on those lakes. Can't you? Uh,
0: I'm trying to think. I never did. I'm trying to think of like the main like because there's there's Mendota and Monona are the, the two big ones that you're you're you mentioning freeze all the, the way over. And I can't remember if they, I don't think they do, but they, uh, there's a number of other lakes nearby that you can't skate on. So
2: we are, we are not trying to talk you out of Wisconsin just because those two lakes don't freeze over and you can skate on. There's plenty, beautiful place, cheese curds, fun place to go. So you're there, your football team's awesome. You're at this big, awesome school. What was life like? What were you doing to keep on your organization set goal, make a plan, move forward, and now find a new career because you weren't right for medicine.
0: Yeah. So I was, uh, I was playing, uh, I played club hockey at, at Wisconsin. So I was, uh, you know, we were practicing a couple of days a week. And we had a lot of games on the weekends. So I was traveling a decent amount doing that, which was, which was a blast. Um, and then, yeah, I was a, a biochemistry major initially the first couple of years. And then, yeah, I realized I didn't, didn't want to do it. So I had to, had to kind of make a pivot. And I was like, I think just the general business route was, was probably where I needed to go, but I didn't really know what that would be. Like what? what would be the career with it. I wasn't completely sure. Um, so I ended up switching and to, to an economics degree. And so I went down that path for, you know, for the remaining two years. And so, um, yeah, I just, and I just started kind of getting involved in those classes, joining different clubs, organizations, just starting to immerse myself in that. And, and I knew kind of as I, as I went through it, I would, I would start to figure it out. So if I didn't have the answer right away, that's okay. I think a lot of colleges trying to figure out what you want. And a lot of your twenties is like that too. Just figure out what you actually want to do, and what you like. So I knew that I would just keep trying new things and figure it out as I go.
2: So you're back to your pattern again, searching for mentors, searching for supportive friends, searching for organizations. You don't know what your goals are. So you try different things. You fail at some, you succeed at others. That's the pattern that anybody can take wherever they are in the country or the world, wherever they are in life. So you're doing those things. Um, And by the way, another yellow flag, I got to throw another yellow flag. You can't tell me that you go to a college where you have to study and go to class and you play a sport and you got a job. That didn't happen, did it?
0: (laughs) Uh, It did happen. It did happen. Yeah. I
2: I hope nobody's parents are listening right now because you're going against the what's possible in most parents' minds because they're sitting there waiting for their kid to come home so they can iron their underwear and cut the crust off their bread and make sure they're all set up to go out there and not fail and not work too hard. But you're proving that maybe some of those parents are wrong and they should let their kids go and go crazy. So you're playing hockey, you're going to a great school, you're having fun on that strip, but the, there's that killer wooden bar with the shot ski that kind of look made me use once. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh find all these organizations, and how did you figure out that one day you were gonna be in sales and sales management? Um, I
0: think I got mostly introduced to the sales path when i when I connected with with college works. Um I think what I was doing um before that is i was I was doing a lot of kind of like more manual labor type type jobs. I was like doing landscaping work, and um I actually was doing a little bit of house painting type stuff before before I got synced up to college works, but I didn't know much about like sales or how to build out a, a kind of a, a sales plan or a process or anything to do with that. And So that was kind of when I initially synced up with College is when um, sales became like this thing. This is a lot of fun um, because it was so much about like, if you work hard and you, um, and you set goals, like you can, the sky's the limit with it. So I, I like that upside um, aspect.
1: Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in, to get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com/podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com/podcast. Now, back to the show.
2: So after trying a bunch of things out, you find something that's kind of jiving. We have people come to college works that want to be doctors and go off and be doctors later. You still got to learn how to sell. You still got to learn how to hire people. You still got to learn how to manage people. You still have to deal with customers. Uh, when we screw up, we screw up a paint job and we just fix it. Uh, you don't want to be screwing up, chopping into somebody's heart, uh, but you get all those experiences, whatever you want to do. But in your case, in my case too, you found this management thing and you know you did the you did the internship thing and you get to figure out sales and hiring people, but then now you're like 21 years old and you're working with a whole team of interns and you get to train them. So, how did the training of the interns affect your decision to go into the management? Because a lot of people just stay as salespeople, you're you're moving into sales management and all your different jobs. Why?
0: I just I just had a lot more fun, I think, with, with the management versus just the sales. I had more fun like helping develop other people um, and seeing them kind of achieve, achieve the goals that, that they wanted to hit and see growth in them. I just I just found it a little more fulfilling and, and more fun. It was definitely still a challenge because in management, you know if you're managing different people, you have to manage people in different ways. Like not everyone's the same. There's no like cookie cutter plan of like this is how you do management. You have to really like understand the people you have to care. And so I just had fun with kind of figuring out that puzzle with whoever the different people were that, you know, that I was working with. And that's kind of why I've been kind of focused more on the management type type stuff.
2: Yeah, it's challenging, right? Well, sales is challenging because you got to figure out the puzzle with each customer. But you wanted to move a different way, uh, more into the supporting others, kind of the more selfless role. How did you develop the EQ? So you go into management, you got to learn to listen more. You've got to learn to make it about other people. It's not about you anymore. What did you do to develop your EQ over time?
0: I think just fi- finding good, good coaches and mentors. And I learned by failing. Like I think the first, the first time I was in management, I didn't excel. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but I didn't. I wouldn't say I, I crushed it. So I think by failing a number of times and then listening to people that that were good at it and seeking out advice that way, and always when I did make an, a mistake or an error, it was never like blaming someone else. It was always like, what could I have done differently? Because you can always do something differently, even if even if maybe it really wasn't your fault that something happened. There's always still something that you can take out of it and grow from it. So. I just kind of kept focusing on doing that and over time just got better and better at doing it. And then you start to kind of see some similar patterns in people and in situations. And so you start to get better at, at understanding how to react to them and and manage those processes.
2: You've got 10,000 hours. You're an expert, 10,000 hours that, what do I need to do differently to prevent failure? And you internalize the failure. How can I help others hit their goals? You externalize the success and you see these patterns, and you learn to listen better, and you develop the skill set. So you're in college. Worked the college works. Did the manager thing. Did the district manager thing. Did the GM thing. Thank you for moving for, to Michigan. Thank you Definitely. for some reason I <laughs> thought you were there to begin. Appreciate you helping us launch that wonderful division. And then you head off, and you wanted to go move to the East Coast, live in, in an even colder place. than you lived in uh, in Wisconsin, maybe not. Uh, But instead, you saw the light and decided to come to California prior to California being almost uninhabitable uh, due to the strange politics here. (laughs) I don't talk about politics here because I get in big trouble, especially when I'm talking to people from Wisconsin. But you come to California, (laughs) you go to Mountain View, and you got your sales skills. So you try out a couple of startups and startups work out. Sometimes they don't. Eventually, you're at Personas. And now all of a sudden, you're in a marketing business that's doing email marketing for other companies, uh, later on, building databases for companies, plugging in the holes in their database. But you're not in the marketing. You're not in the coding. There's jobs for marketers. There's jobs for coders. There's jobs for HR people. There's jobs for finance people. You've taken your sales and your sales management from this weird painting industry to now in tech. Uh, you're running sales and doing large account management. How is the transition? How, first of all, why'd you pick tech? How'd you pick tech? And how was the transition?
0: Um, well, I mean, tech, just because it's, there's so much opportunity in it. It's a very, it's a growing space. Um, you know, and being young, I just thought it was a smart idea to, to get involved with it, start understanding. it. And I knew that's like where the future, you know, future is going. So I wanted to kind of immerse myself just in that kind of that area and start building connections there is it, it really kind of why I was thinking I wanted to get into tech. And I also, um, wanted to work with small startups because, the thought of working at a, a really big company and just kind of being another number um, and having a very kind of a structure, like this is exactly what you do day to day and um, not having a ton of autonomy. I, I didn't like that, that idea. And so I wanted to work with a small startup just to have a lot more as a young person, like to have a lot more influence um, at a young age. And so that's why I wanted to get involved in, in tech and then on top of that, small tech startups. And so that's what I started doing in, in California.
2: So there's a process of learning to know yourself through all that trial and error with different jobs and different organizations and different sports. You figure out what you like. You want to be in a position of influence. You know, you'll have more influence at a startup company. So with those years of trial and error and moving around, you figure out what you like, you see opportunity. Then you just throw your pattern, your, your uh, plan in there again, your system, you get organized, you set a goal and You start executing on the plan and one company didn't work out. Then another company didn't work out, but you failed before. And sometimes failure isn't you, Karma Yoga. The company's gone. You're still there as a great salesperson. Company's gone. So you go find another one. You move to personas. And then next thing you know, you're off in enterprise sales for search metrics. And can you just explain what enterprise sales is real quick for people that may not know?
0: Yeah. Enterprise sales basically just means that you're selling to larger organizations or larger companies. Um, So it's typically fairly large deal sizes, usually somewhere in the range of like $100,000 or more. So it's just selling to large companies. You're selling usually a little bit more of a complex product. Um, not something where they can just like a client can just go on your website and sign up and, and, and they're now a customer. It's, it's a much more involved process.
2: So you don't get to just be an enterprise sales. I don't get to, you know, smoke a bunch of weed in college and hang out and go to the bar every night and then get my diploma and sign up for an enterprise sales job. I mean, you were working hard in high school, hard in college. I mean, you had three professional careers in college you were you were working as an executive right as you got out of college then you moved into sales in these different companies probably building up size then you get to enterprise sales it takes a while of being a good salesperson developing those great skills that 10,000 hours and boom now you're trusted with the big jobs you're still young but it takes a few years to get to those $100,000 and above contracts right
0: yeah absolutely and i think with the experience i had before i got in enterprise sales we were we were selling probably like I would say it's like mid mid market type type sales, but I was I was doing a lot um, with with that organization. Like when you work with a small startup, you wear a lot of hats, so you're doing a lot of sales, but you're also like, you know, you don't have people that like, but that did it before you saying like, this is how like this exact sales process and structure should work, and this is like, th- there really isn't that when you work at a small startup, like you're figuring it out, so. I got really good at um, being a self-starter, figuring things out on my own and being successful at trying new things. Then I did like, through that process, I did sell some bigger deals, which was helpful in terms of getting, you know, more of the enterprise sales role that I have now, as, as I started to have that experience networking with, with larger businesses and, and getting those deals. Cause yeah, you're right. You can't just get an enterprise sales job because you know, if a company is trusting you to close a, a you know $400,000 deal,
2: They don't really want you to screw it up. So um,
0: (laughs) they they want you to (laughs) to be successful at
2: it. Yeah. So you had a few things in there that are important. So a lot of times I see people in their youth and they're standing around waiting to be told what to do and their bosses are watching and their bosses are sick of having to tell them what to do. So you become a self-starter. You become someone that finds something to do. and It may not be the right thing, but at least you're trying. You start doing well on your own you're trying new things. You're biting off the challenge, like this huge sale. I'm going to try that huge sale, see if it works. And then through trial and error and failure, you figure out what you like and you keep growing. So now you're in uh, this enterprise sales sales management. What sort of skills do you need for that job? What kind of do you do on a daily basis?
0: Well, I mean, just in terms of skills, I think, as I had mentioned before growing up, I think like the organization. Part and setting goals is, I, I think, extremely important. Um, and as we mentioned before, the the EQ aspect is important too, because because when you're navigating an enterprise sales deal, there's a lot of moving parts. You're usually speaking to different stakeholders, different departments. You have to try to figure out like what is there, like what's going to make them look good, uh, what what's going to help them in their jobs, um, and you really have to try to piece that together, and then pitch that to them in terms of uh, really I'm not necessarily pitch it, but build a solution that really fits with kind of each person that you would be working with. So I think it's getting organized, but really like taking the deep dive into really thinking hard at like, okay, this is this person's role. What would motivate them? Asking the right questions, asking tough questions too. Like don't be scared to to ask a tough question if you, if you need to, you know, that, that think that's one, one big lesson I've learned o- over time. But I think those are, those are some skills that uh, that you would definitely need in that, that enterprise sales
2: position. And the management too. So it needs to be somewhat about them when you're in sales, but when you move into the management, it needs to be about them. And you got to ask yourself, do you have fun? Do you enjoy other people's success? And I know sometimes somebody got the fancy new car and you're jealous. You can learn to not be jealous. Go look up Vedanta, read a couple books. You'll learn to be happy with what you got. Um, and that happens once in a while when you're young, but I'm talking about really deep down inside when someone else's eyes sparkle up because they figured it out or someone else's eyes sparkle up because you found something that's just going to save them from whatever hassle they're having. If you want to move into high level sales and you want to move into any management, you've got to be the type of person that loves, especially in the management piece, loves the success of others. As a DM, I, It's those college kids when they just go, oh, my God. Speaking of setting your bar higher, whoa, I've got way more I can do. And there are eyes sparkle. That's why I've been doing it for 28 years. You carry that to a different industry, not construction. You're in technology. Um, You're in SEO, enterprise sales, totally different. But it's the same organization, goal setting. Your EQ is getting better and better as you have more interactions. And you're having fun helping others either succeed through your product or succeed through your tutelage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's huge is, is really enjoying seeing success in others. And I think for me, a lot of it is what I, what I try to do is is spend a lot of time with them talking about what they want out of their career, um, where, where their vision is overall, even if it's not, you know, and, and sometimes that leads them outside of, of the company. Um, and, and that's okay. But I think it's, it's figuring out what motivates them, what gets them excited, where where is their career path and helping them develop those skills and it is cool. Like it, it's very cool when you, you know, let's say you're working with someone that's, you know, a father has little kids closing that $200,000 deal is pretty important to them. I mean, that, that's a, that's a good paycheck, right? And it's cool. when when you've worked with them to help them get there um, and they get that paycheck and it's rewarding to them too. And, um, and it's helping them further their career. So that, that's always a lot of fun. So that was a really good point.
2: And how do you figure out what motivates people? What makes them exciting? What's that they even have kids. How do you figure that out?
0: Uh, how do I figure out what motivates them? It's a little bit of like, you know, asking, but I think you've got to, I think you've got to just try different things um, with them. Some, some people are super motivated by finances and, and you can start to figure that out based on, based on some of their actions. And, and some people are much more motivated by, having a a good income, but having a really strong work-life balance. I think, I think it's just about asking and having good conversations um, and not just about work. Like sometimes you just, you build a relationship with them and through that you can, you kind of figure out what, what motivates people and what makes
2: them happy. It's about listening. Yeah. About being, I call it being interested and interesting. A lot of people are interesting and they talk all the time being interested. And what can you learn? What can you learn from that young person with the young family that's super excited about that $200,000 sale? How can you grow? And there's this symbiotic relationship. Well, that's cool. You're making me feel good. I'm glad. I remember some conversations with you in Mexico. And I think about hockey a couple of times too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've definitely had
0: uh, a number of conversations. About in hockey. Cancun. You right
2: know, point. I know nothing about any sport, but I remember for some <laughs> reason, I did go to the Stanley Cup once for the uh, only team that I root for, which is Anaheim. Uh, I did get to go to that. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't see any of the goals because I'm too busy talking. You can kind of tell because I talk a lot. All right. Back, back to the show, back to the show. Um, so looking back and I mean, you're, you're doing a lot, right? You're working you're going to school, you're playing hockey, all of a sudden you're done working, you move across the country, probably still playing hockey. Were you playing hockey in California?
0: Uh, I am playing hockey, yep, in California and, and uh, yep.
2: Well, when you first moved to California, when you first moved to Menlo Park?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I pretty quickly once I moved out there, I started, uh, um, I started playing. I think that was part of my, you know, the, the, the initial startup that I moved out there for fell apart pretty quickly. So my intention actually was never initially to stay in California, but once that fell through, I was kind of there and I was like, well, let's just, let's make it work. Like, let's, let's find a, you know, I can, I could. there's always another opportunity. So I found opportunities with other startups and I figured hockey has been a big part of my life. Um, if I join different hockey teams and get involved in that, I'll start to meet people that are, that are like me that I can network with and, and this kind of snowballed from there. I met a lot of people through that. So yeah, when I first moved
2: out, I started playing. Oh my goodness. It's straight in line with what you said your life's about achieving goals in all areas and having standards. Of course you played hockey because you want to spin all the plates at all time. You don't move to a new place and shut down your system that works. You move to a new place and implement your system that works. And hockey is your way of building your network. I join these business clubs because I don't know anything about sports. Build my network. Other people may go to church, be involved, spin the plate, get it going, be excellent, high standards. All right, so on this path, through all these different places and these different states, taking a lot of challenges, moving from Wisconsin to Michigan for a business when you're a, a general manager, then moving to a, leaving our business, which I'm still pissed about by the way, and going to, uh, uh, to to California. And you said, you know, sometimes people's career path leads you away from your company. You get the best years from those people when you're helping them achieve their goals through your company and get to the next step. There must have been some sacrifices along the way. What sacrifices, looking back, did you make in your 20s that you would just make again? May have bummed you at the time, but you would make them again.
0: Sacrifices. Um, I think, you know, there's definitely an aspect of if you're if you're trying to achieve more than what others are achieving, you're going to miss some miss some parties and and things like that. So I think, you know, it it was a lot of times it was, you know, turning down things like that. If I needed to to accomplish something that weekend or whatever it might be. So, uh, yeah, I would say it was uh, maybe some sacrifices on the on the social side of things in case we may not not too much to the point where I like, you know, just didn't uh, didn't see people at
2: all. Yeah, because you got to spin all your plates. You got to be excellent everywhere. But sometimes you have to say no today to say yes tomorrow. So a little sacrifices here and there. Not not any major ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, I wouldn't say anything huge or major, you know,
0: definitely living in. uh living in shitty apartments and, and different things like that, when you don't have any money and, uh, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. But not like I wouldn't say like a huge sacrifice um, that I've made along the way, and that's right.
2: I wonder if it's your mindset. I, I wonder if, I mean, it seems to me and a lot of people aren't in your boat. I was kind of in your boat, started early, didn't know what I wanted to do, head down and go. You were kind of the same way, head down and go in college, trying everything. Some people find out a little bit later, and, you know, maybe my mindset wasn't as po- positive back then, but I, I remember sacrifices, not going on this trip, not going on that. Um, you missed a few parties, you're spinning your plates, You're balanced. You have this positive mindset. So you don't recall any sacrifice. That's interesting. Do you ever have a bad day? Yeah. Bad days happen for sure. Bad, bad no. week, bad week. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay.
0: But you yeah. get through it. You get through it. How I think it's just like, it's just realizing that it's it, whatever it is, it's temporary, you know, um, you know, you, you're not, you're not dead. Um, so if it's, a, I guess, you know, the perspective I always kind of put it in is, um, you know, I'm in sales. So it's like, if, if I have a bad day, a bad week, it's, it's usually maybe somebody quit or a sale didn't go through. And I usually kind of just go, well, at least someone didn't die. Um, you get, I just think about, um, my dad's a doctor He works with premature babies. So at times, you know, babies would pass away and things like that. I'm like, at least I'm not dealing with that. Cause that, that seems a lot more stressful. Um, and so that's usually how, I, like, if it's a bad week, bad day, I just usually put that into perspective and it's just kind of keep plugging away.
2: And even if it was, even if you're a, a neonatal nurse or doctor, you still got to stop and say, okay, I can get through this. I'm going to go back to having high standards, setting goals, working we went. My wife went to a funeral the other day. She came home. I said, Hey, just go up to bed, just lay in bed and be sad. And the reason why I said that is because I had a funeral and that's what she told me to do. It's okay to be sad, but not for years. Get through it. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, go. So you have this positive attitude um you have some bad days here and there uh you you you're one of the lucky ones that doesn't have to dwell on it nowadays you know the 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 people that are now in colleges have instagram and all this crap reminding them how everything in life's better than you so they have to be even better than us at it they have to work harder at these coping mechanisms so you figure it out you do all these different things you move into the career and now you're headed off uh, at search metrics and by the way if people wanted to look you up online would they go to your instagram where would they go Uh, You can just go to
0: my LinkedIn. If you just want to Adam Arnold and type in search metrics, um, you you would find me pretty easily.
2: And so search metrics is taking um, big companies that are selling products online and helping them maximize their visibility online. Is is it online through the web or is it online through different vendors as well?
0: Uh, We're helping them maximize their performance in um, basically in Google search. So if, if, you know, if, if Matt, if you're looking for a new pair of, of running shoes and you just type in men's running shoes, Nike wants to be the first thing that you see. So does Adidas and so does Zappos, right? So they're competing in, in that realm. So it's helping them improve where they would fall when Matt searches for a new pair of running shoes.
2: And, and no one listening right now was thinking, OK, in my career, I want to help different companies with their visibility and their prominence on the website. No one thinks about that. But there's, there's big companies. I actually looked up your company and a lot of companies say the alternative to search metrics. Yeah, so that, that's how you know you're working with the best company when the other ones are in their Google search referencing your company so they can lure people away. But there's 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 a few companies that do that. And there's companies that do all sorts of weird things. But you develop this system that you have. You develop this pattern that you have. You start searching And serendipitously, you find a way to help these companies. And because you're that type of person, you love helping these companies. And you find a way to build a team where you're helping that team close that $200,000 deal. And next thing you know, you're moving through this wonderful career where you're happy and you're living this life of excellence, spinning these plates. And do you have kids? I do not. Oh, there's going to be a plate challenge Uh, there one of these days. Yeah. that's that's (laughs) that's one of the most rewarding plate challenges well adam i really appreciate you coming out of the snow in idaho and uh skipping some of your mental preparation i'm assuming for the game you have later today where you're going to crush the competitor and making time to be on the podcast to share your insight and your path and your wisdom with all of our listeners thank you very much for being on the edge of excellence today
0: thanks so much for having me man i really appreciate it 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 was a good time
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.